Welcome back to Culture Calculus. I'm Kavitha Davidson, as always, joined by Jason Jones. And we are back after several weeks on hiatus and better than ever. Today, we have Chad Jones of Another Lane, sneakerhead, cultural historian, co-founder of this business with his wife, Adina Jones. We're so excited to talk about all things sneaker and hip hop culture. Welcome to Culture Calculus. Kavitha Davidson here from The Athletic, joined as always by my co-host, Jason Jones. What up, Jason? Been a while. Yeah, it's been a minute, you know. Uh, a lot of baseball watch time. We'll try to relax, so. <laughs> but we're back. <laughs> I thought of you because I had to sit through a full 16-inning Dodgers-Padres game a few weeks ago. And, uh, man, it's 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 getting to the dog days of summer here. Oh, it's yeah. Fall now, but... <laughs> All right, we are so thrilled to have Chad Jones of Another Lane with us, co-founded with his wife, Adina, who could not join us, unfortunately. But Chad is a sneaker historian, businessman. Another Lane is a marketplace and community for sneaker culture and self-described, according to Chad, preserver of culture, which I think is super interesting. So first of all, thank you so much for joining us. Chad, how are you doing today? I'm great, and thank you for having me. To jump right off of it, I mean... I feel like everyone's got their own origin story of how they got into this particular part of the culture. Tell me how you got re- how you got so deep into sneakers. I mean, I, I can't really say that there was a particular thing. I kind of was born into it. Um, born in Brooklyn, uh, pretty much the start of this whole sneaker thing. Um, all trends pretty much start here, um, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, and my parents were in art and fashion. Uh, So growing up, uh, basketball, fashion, art, Brooklyn, like it's, it's kind of just, it just was part of my life. And I didn't know it was a thing until it became a thing years later. Well, now listen, I'm, I'm a born and raised New Yorker. I saw our our resident uh, Angelino Jason kind of smirk a little bit when you said all all culture kind of starts, all the trends start in Brooklyn. Um, What, what era are we talking here? We talking the Bernard King Knicks, like we talking what are we talking about culture in general i mean like new york starts from when, whenever new oh, york oh no no started. i mean i mean for you like growing up like like surrounded oh, by yeah, oh, I mean, we'll, 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 we'll get, we'll, we'll, i was never a fan of the knicks yeah. i was okay. never a fan well of that oh, was an easy divorce then. okay okay yeah. <laughs> yes yes I, i'll tell you why so my grandfather took me to a game uh back in the day and they were playing um I want to say against Michael Adams, mm. who's, a, who's a tiny guard back mm. then on the Bullets, and I watched him dismantle the Knicks my first time ever at the Garden. And like, I had never been to the Garden. I had never been to a game. I was so excited. I'm gonna go watch, you know, because my grandfather was a diehard Knicks. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, Michael Adams, five foot seven, like the smallest guy in the NBA, and he tossed him. I was like, man, forget the Knicks, and that was it. It just. didn't take much (laughs) i mean michael jordan comes in literally born in the same place where i'm from you know don't tell me nothing about the knicks like i get i get like but most of those guys aren't from where i'm from i mean i mean fair enough where where in brooklyn you from uh well i'm i'm actually from crown heights but i was born in fort green okay fair enough fair enough and and full disclosure i love brooklyn you know, Brooklyn's my favorite. You know, even when I'm, I would be covering games where they're playing the Knicks, I would stay in Brooklyn. The first time I went there, about 15, 16, I fell in love with Brooklyn. I always said if I ever, if I was going to ever live anywhere outside of California, I'd have to live in Brooklyn. Brooklyn is a beautiful place. 
Um, it's still beautiful, although it's changed a lot. It's very, mm -hmm. very different. Um, but uh, it's still, it's always going to have a, a, a special place in my heart. It reminds me a lot of Long Beach. It's a real, the, kind of the laid back vibe is very, feels like, it feels like home whenever I go. So one of my best friends lives in Brooklyn. So, um, you know, you, you can't talk bad about Brooklyn to me. <laughs> good, good. Because we're not going to talk bad about Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so, so walk me through like how, how you get from just a kid, you know, who loves, who loves sneakers, who's in the culture, how you contextualizing it with his, with history and with everything and with culture and with everything that's going on. Well, you know, for me, you know, it's, it's interesting how I got immersed with it was I had a difficulty connecting with peers in my area. Um, my parents were very, very protective of me. Uh, in my childhood, because Brooklyn, um, I'm 43 years old. I'm a 1978 baby. So yes, that's the 80s era. And that's the crack era of Brooklyn. And I was two blocks away from Nostrand Ave, just to give you an idea of where I was geographically. Um, so they were trying to make sure that I didn't end up like a lot of my own family members who went the drug route, whether it be selling or using or being killed by it. And so sneakers art and education like it was just one of those things and like sneakers was like a, a point of of almost like a conversation starter you know and so that's how 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 they started with it and that's how i even started talking to my teachers because i didn't even want to talk to nobody <laughs> in terms of sneakers and being a kid i know when i we're just, uh well you're a little bit i turned 43 in a couple of weeks but when you talk about the sneaker game and being a kid the struggle for me as a kid was I couldn't afford the sneakers that I liked, but I saw them all the time. Just what, how did you kind of foster that relationship as, as a youngster with shoes and get, kind of get yourself into the culture? Well, I want to say that I had this weird thing with like aesthetically pleasing items. Like I, I have, I've always had this like obsessive compulsive disorder. So like, as a young kid, it started with like GI Joes and Transformers and really quickly it went into sneakers. So like, for instance, the Puma emblem, the Puma logo, uh, you know, like, like I love the cleanliness of it and the design of it. Remember my parents are artists. My father was a commercial artist. My mother was a textile designer and color and the meaning of color. Like it's really, you're speaking another language every time you put a new pair of shoes on, how you wear the shoes, you know, all, all of those things. And so for me, it was almost like a people watching thing. I wasn't supposed to be going outside because outside was dangerous. So I could imagine what these people were like walking past me, you know, and it became a thing for me. And then it was like, well, this is how I want to talk. This is who I want to talk to. This is what I'm going to put on today. And that's literally, and so like fast forward, like, Today, I could wear a different pair of sneakers every day for multiple years because I got something different to say every day. Right. Well, and art being so ingrained in sneaker culture, and we're seeing that on a commercial level in the last like 20 years. And I, but obviously, it was, it was a little bit more, I don't want to say underground, but it was more kind of up to the wearer, right? To kind of like put that meaning on, on it. And when did you start to see that shift? When did you start to see companies really start to like embrace that part of it? I mean, companies, I mean, I mean, you want to start really early days with like Run DMC, like just just getting a hip hop group to get a to get a deal. Like, other than that, if you if you black, like 
you're not getting a deal unless you're hooping or playing some type of sport or some like monumental athlete in your sport. Otherwise, basically you're invisible. So for them to be able to just get a deal like that off of sneakers and rapping like that, that's ill. And these dudes are from, from a hood right next to me. Like, all right, cool. Let's, let's do that. And kind of following up on that, just the idea. I mean, you know, the, I remember when my Adidas came out and it just seems like that was a thing. And then you look at just the way, not just the hip hop culture embraced that, but everyone now you look at you fast forward to nowadays where it is where you see rappers musicians in, in the shoe game as well Just how have you seen that evolution and what you do to where now you got you know kanye gets his shoe i remember 50 cent game you know all these guys have gotten to the shoe game one way or another i mean i love it i, I love the evolution of it but like when i really think about it like the thing that influenced culture so much was the fact that they were going against the grain like really that's it was like everybody does this the status quo is x so i'm gonna do y and so like mike comes with the with the whole band colorway not necessarily the shoe and like everybody's like yeah because everybody wants you to do this it's like you root for the bad guy you root for the underdog like i want to go who had the guy who had to get it from the mud that's who i'm rooting for because that's where i came from and how did you how did you meet Adina? Tell tell me about uh, you know kind of the story the story there. How y'all went from like first of all partners to now business partners. Oh well, meeting Adina. Let's see. Well, meeting Adina was was uh, kind of weird. Uh, NBA draft party 2013 at okay. uh, Clyde Frazier's restaurant. Um, just randomly, uh, man. Now that time has passed, I I hate to say it, but like. We were making jokes about Aaron Hernandez getting locked mm. up um, because that was really more of the, the, the topic of discussion around the draft. Um, but uh, fast forward, <laughs> you know, um, basically we started talking and, and everything kind of melted away. Uh, and, and here we are like eight years and, and we're, we're married and, and partners. So. And what was Adina's relationship to sneaker culture before, before y'all met? Well, you know, when we met on the low, I didn't know, but she was a sneakerhead on her own. She had already been covered by a female sneaker fiend, and mm -hmm. she was already a journalist at, at ESPN and, and doing her own thing in sports. So, like, she was high profile pretty much as far as I was concerned. You know, I'm just, I was just a dude who buys shoes and talks about them on a podcast back in the day. <laughs> Well, have you seen like a divide? I feel like hip hop culture throughout the years has been, there have obviously been criticisms about how women have been treated, but more so than like the general culture, the like white culture or mainstream culture, there seems to be a lot more equity. Do you think that sneaker culture has like, has been that inclusive? Would she have a different answer to that? <laughs> Uh, she would definitely have a, a different answer. I would say probably more extreme because she's definitely more on the beat being that she is a woman. I will say that there is more focus on women type of product. Is there enough? Absolutely not. Um, not even close. Um, are they still tone deaf? Yes, very much so. Um, but I mean, at least it, it's going in the general direction, although, you know, large business is slow. So and then on top of that, we're, we're in the midst of a pandemic. So 
but it's nice to see that they're starting to pay a little bit more attention, but like a, a lot still needs to change. There's no question about it. Isn't that kind of crazy though? Just you talk about sneakers and fashion. If you're going to go like stereotype, you would assume that a company would say women are going to want to, you know, match different colors with different shoes. And that, that would seem like a natural fit. Just, you know, why do you think it's taken so long for some of these companies to start to even look in that direction? You know, I don't even know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to even hit you with this, and this is kind of ridiculous, right? Women tend not to be colorblind, and men <laughs> actually trend and are. And so how they can be the ones who are in control of fashion is really beyond me. So I'm just going to leave it at that at a very, like, <laughs> you know, but, but um, you know, <laughs> I, I digress with that comment, you know, and I've seen some women that don't get the notoriety that have done some of the dopest, illest stuff that I've ever seen on a sneaker. All right. So how do you like take this love, this whole passion for something, you know, you had a po podcast about this already and then come to the idea to create a marketplace for, for sneaker exchange, a community for sneakerheads. Like what was the idea generation for that? Well, simply uh, money in my pocket. <laughs> like, no, but I mean, for real, I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, but it, to expand on it, my money, that was already mine. So, for instance, my shoes, like, right behind me, I got, the, the, you know, these shoes. And, you know, it came to this point where, like, I'm 43. Like, I have more shoes probably now than I could ever wear out probably till I die. I, I, I do. I, 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 that's crazy, but yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I started to liquidate the stuff because my wife was like, like, what are you, what are you doing? Are you a squirrel? Like, what are we, what, are, what is this for? You know? So, so, you know, it, cause I, I, one time I told, I was like, it's going to be for when we buy a house. We did that. We own it. <laughs> we don't need, like, okay, now what, you know? So, so I started to liquidate the stuff and, you know, these other third party uh, resellers, like they charge like, you know, anywhere from like 9%, you know? It's your shoe in a store for somebody to walk in their store and buy it. Like, bro, you ain't even do nothing. Like, I had to camp out. Like, and this is not even like I've got like memories are tied. So this is an emotional thing also. Mm -hmm. But like, I'll tell you, some of these pairs, like, I had to fight for these shoes. You think I'm a, like, if I had to fight for this shoe, you think I'm gonna fork over money for this shoe to sell it? Hell no, that's not happening. So like, you know, it really for me, it became it was a need for me to liquidate my shoes and keep the most money for me. But then I realized that I could do it and that a service should be repetitive, right? And like, why is it percentage based? Like if it's a shoe, it's a shoe. And so if they listed it and sold it in their store, why should the cost of that should be any different if it's a $10,000 shoe versus a $5 shoe? And so that was, that was really the thought behind, you know, another lane. And I wanted to pass that on. I basically thought of it as a gift um, to the sneakerhead community. And the, the whole, you know, acquiring shoes in such a dirty game. I know you saw the thing about the, the, the Nike exec and the, the kid was, you know, we got the bots and everyone takes their L's on the sneaker app all the time. And it just, to me, it creates something that's so fun and it's like a real grimy type of thing. You know, you go on StockX, you see a shoe that came out yesterday, already tripled the price just. Is that another thing you looked at too? And you said, man, this is just not fair that people are paying this much more on top of, you know, for a shoe when 
the people getting the money really aren't part of the, the sneaker community or, or even the culture of it. Well, that's definitely one aspect of it, you know. Um, but really, it was it was it was more for me. So when it first started, the thing that was being lost was life. You know, 1990 covers Sports Illustrated, your sneakers or your life. Like that may be a article cover for some people, but like I lived through that, you know? And so when you take like some of the stuff that we, that we did to get sneakers back then and some of the things you had to do just to be able to keep them or even wear them, uh, cause you had to be legit just to wear your joints. Cause you might go home in your socks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you take all that away and it's just a click of a button because you got a couple of dollars. It kind of takes some, it takes something away from the value of what it brought to the culture and what it took for somebody in the know and, and how hard somebody had to work for you to be able to recognize their effort for going after that shoe. How has the industry kind of adapted to like the expanded demand that this isn't a niche thing anymore? And do you think that like, I don't really know a delicate way to ask this, frankly. Do you think that uh, that sneaker culture has been co-opted by white people? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yes and no. Um, So sneakers has always been a white people's business. (laughs) So it's kind of hard for me to say that. Like, so um, I guess on the manufacturing side of things. So yeah, we want some more people on that side of things. But I guess for the aftermarket and cultural side of things, are they are they trying? Do we think that we're trying? They're trying. Yeah, we think that they're trying to digitize the experience and take it away from us. Yeah, I think that 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 is is definitely an aspect of 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 what's happening, um, and so that's another reason why we're here at another lane, you know, because we need to make sure that some entities are of color and are running the show are are the people speaking. Yeah, because you're not, I mean, you're, you're a marketplace, there's a business, there's an exchange, all of that, but you're also a community, right? And you're a Black-owned business in itself. What, how important is the community aspect to what y'all are doing? Uh, to me, it's the most important aspect. I mean, the very reason I'm sitting here talking to you is because of the community. I mean, um, if it wasn't for me, you know, jumping on the Q4 early, early and, you know, young, going to uh, Jamaica Ave or Fulton Street down, you know, on the B38, like, I would have never met some of the people that I've met who have gone on to live in other places and, and introduce me to other people all over the world and allow me experiences that I never would have, if not for this, this, these leather and rubber and now knit type sneakers, like, I couldn't have asked, like, sneakers imagination takes you all over the place and i remember the uh show you did at um all-star weekend back in back in brooklyn and some of oh, the shoes, yeah so some of the shoes you had there can you just walk us through what it's like to acquire some of those shoes i mean talking about those ray allen jordan you know 13s <laughs> you know this thing <laughs> i mean you had you got some stuff where i was like it, i don't know how you got this but <laughs> <laughs> it's something else you know just What's, you know, what's it like to, you know, kind of build up in the sneaker game to where I'm sure at this point, people probably want to get you more shoes that you can even handle at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very lucky and blessed. I mean, if, if I had enough money, I, I, my wife would probably be screaming. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, 
the thing is you get into whatever your entry point is, whatever you like, right? So everybody has a ceiling, right? So whether your ceiling is monetary or if it's even a tunnel vision type of thing, like let's say right now the trending thing is Jordan 1s. You like Jordan 1s. So go ahead and have fun with Jordan 1s, right? There becomes a day when you get tired of that thing. But there's so many other ways to go. And so after being into sneakers for 30 plus years, like I have gone everywhere and I still find new places to enjoy. So those sneakers, like you're, like you're explaining, have gotten me to the point where I've been so jaded that when I see some of the sites like Nike and, and they're saying, hey, LeBron James got this shoe and it's only made for him and, and his friends and family. I'm like, well, who's LeBron's friends and family? Let me go talk to them because they probably got it for free. And maybe if I slide one of them off with a couple of hundred or maybe a couple of grand, maybe I can get a couple of pairs or a pair. And literally that's what I started to do. And so fast forward now, you know, I have, you know, hundreds of pairs of shoes like that that are samples, you know. Were people like mistrusting of you or like for that were they you know yeah yeah at at first <laughs> yes absolutely i mean like you don't know me from a can of paint i'm coming up to you and i'm and i'm like trying to talk to you about your shoes like like i'll, I'll be honest like for me like i get suspicious if, if somebody even asked me my size because like growing up mm. somebody asked me my size it's already somebody's plotting i'm like mm. not your size and i'm walking you know so <laughs> you know and so you know it's 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 this thing that you know, I started to realize that depending on where you are, time and place, you know, it can be viewed very differently. So, you know, depending, and even now I, I'll contact an athlete or something like that and they won't respond, you know, but then there are some people who like literally are customers of mine and athletes that I talk to all the time that are like, yo, I just got these and do you want to trade for this? You know, and yeah, all right, cool. Let's do that. You know? Right. How did you get to the trading with athletes? I wonder what that's like, just because being around athletes, I would assume they've got shoes that none of us can get to. Do they come to you for shoes that they can't get a hold of? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny how how these weird deals are. You know, not everybody who gets signed, you know, to uh, to a company gets access to everything that they want. And so some of the like lower tier athletes, you know, they like SBs are popular, but like dudes in the MLB, like he ain't getting no SBs. So, so, but he might get, you know, some Jordan turfs from one of his teammates. And so he might get, say, Hey, yo, I got this pair of Jordan P turfs. I'll trade you this turf. If you can get me, you know, these SBs, you know, or a couple of pairs of these. And I'm like, yeah, all right, let's do that. You know, cause sometimes you know, when athletes, when it comes to their salaries and stuff, they feel like, you know, they're, they basically are prey. So money sometimes doesn't work. So anything that works that can be of benefit, because for me, it's the shoes, it's the connection, you know, it's, it's not always the money. The, the money is sometimes the, the least important thing when it comes to that type of a, a relationship. And what the company, um, well, first of all, where, where did the, the name, what was the genesis of the name Another Lane? Well, I mean, it's basically what I explained right there. Like, um, you know, so I have a 15 year career in telecommunications on the operations side. And so that came with 
all kinds of caveats into delivering wireline and IP telephony. So translations from the IP world to the analog world and porting numbers, you know, like not to get too crazy and granular into it, but like um, it, it makes it a way that I had to basically you find a way you make a way. Right. And so like growing up in Brooklyn, in New York, like my family, we didn't grow up with a whole lot, but we found a way we made a way, you know, telecom, like in operations, like there is no, no, it's find a way, make a way. And so um, really another lane is that it's find a way, make a way um, and, and, and help the community while we're out doing it. And what do you think? I mean, I, you know, I know that there are, there are other exchanges. There are a couple that, you know, they're talking about going public and that kind of thing. What do you think sets you apart from your, com from your, your competitors, from the competition that's out there? Well, at the very top, authenticity. Mm. Like, they ain't me. Simple as that. They don't even have enough money to be me. They couldn't even repeat me with, with all the money that they have. So there's that, but um, you know, they have that space. If you want to go like buy a shoe that's like buying bread, you know, or, you know, a pack of cards and no emotion, no experience, no nothing. Go ahead. Like that's, that's up to you. There's always going to be that. But like, if you need a little bit of flavor, like that's where we at. I'm, I'm just saying like, you want to know why, like historically the context, the way things flip, you know, from one thing to another, like the way that they carry on and trends and, you know, and, and being able to make decisions upon yourself instead of falling for that whole marketing, marketing ploy. Mm -hmm. Well, and you've done a, you, you've gotten some real, like you and Adina have gotten some really good exposure. I've seen you guys in like ESPN and Bleacher Report and my very good friend, Kim Basine at Bloomberg, I know did a big, a big piece on y'all. Um, what has been, what has it been like, not just to get the exposure, obviously it's good for the company, you're getting the market, you know, the communications and the marketing out there, but you're also getting it from out. Like, like, do you think 10 years ago, we would have had a major sneaker profile in Bloomberg? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm very happy and pleased, you know, but the one thing is like, Adina and I have this model and it's like, well, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. And so we're here, we prepared ourselves the right way. And, um, and we're going to continue to do this, you know, like the right way, you know, we, you know, and so we don't lose sight of that. And so that's, I think that's the cream rises to it, to the top. You know, it's as simple as that. I, I leave the rest of the universe. And when you look at just like you said, doing it the right way in all your years in this, what do you look at and say, okay, that's the wrong way to do it? So excessive greed, not sharing with your community, theft, robbery, violence, you know, um, any of those type of things that basically, you know, affect your moral compass, you, you know, that's, that's all community values. That's how I was raised. That's how business is done. That's how that's how long-term business is kept. And what about what about something like fraud? Like, are you seeing a lot of um, you know people just biting other people's concepts and their ideas, and and you know how how with how much money there is to be made in this world now, and how successful you can be? You know how how do you maintain kind of that like that that loyalty and that dignity? So, for us, we pick and choose who we rock with. It's that simple. Like it's, it's us. We own it. Like we're not, we're not connected to anybody in any way. So if, if it's, if it's whack, we're going to tell you like swag, you know, um, there's no 
marketing budget behind a brand that told me I got to say it's fresh. Um, so there's that, like, I don't, I don't need a, a brand to give me shoes. I'll buy them, you know? Um, so there's that. And I'm just curious about this, about the fraud and like being authentic, just randomly. When's the last time someone tried to pass off a pair of uh, fake shoes on you? Oh, last week. <laughs> <laughs> last week, last week I got multiple pairs of fakes in that they that they sent in to to uh, to get listed on the site. You know, in and and the thing, the boldest part was like, we don't even like do consignment really as a company. So like, this was like a special type of like ICB scenario. And like three of the pairs that came in were like, what? Like, are you, are you serious? Like, you know, and at first it's like, okay, a one time, like people get hit, nobody's perfect. But like, when you see multiple, multiple pairs, it's like, nah, dude, you know, you know the way you, your source is, is funny style. <laughs> and it's the kind of thing that like, you, you know, immediately once you open that box, like, oh, yeah. you know, it, well, I mean, things have progressed and have gotten much, much better. Don't get me wrong. But you know, there's this thing about a finished pair of sneakers from a decent brand, a, a, a one that we assume has a certain level of quality, you know, and, um, and, and you can tell when it's not that after buying, like, I, I call myself like a hyper consumer, you know, um, so, so the amount, the, the, the amount of pairs that I have a hold in my hands, you know, over the years is way more than the average person. So being able to see the fit, finish and craftsmanship of a shoe of a brand over years, it's kind of easy to point out something that isn't coming from that brand. Right. How many, is, is there such a thing? How many pairs is too many pairs? Oh, I'm already past that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really past, like, it, you know, there's a happiness point and then it plateaus and then it starts <laughs> to go down because you start to feel guilty every time you get another pair because you haven't worn so many other pairs. <laughs> I mean, you hit on that too. I, I believe if you're really into sneakers, you actually wear them. There's people I know who get them and they're it never like, leaves the box. Yeah. And I know I, at this point, I got sneakers that can match almost anything I own. You know, I've got <laughs> some colors that, some colorways that, you know, what's that for? I have, like, it's for this shirt here and these two shirts over there. That's what's up. <laughs> yeah. And just what do you think about people who, who get the shoes but never have any intention of wearing them? I mean, I don't like those people because I'm like, you're being greedy. You're hoarding something that I can <laughs> wear. <laughs> you know, you know, the thing about it is this, right? You got to have space for everybody. Kudos to everybody who wears theirs. I, I salute everybody who wears those. I, I wear many of mine. But then there are those pairs, you know, Jason, and I don't know about you, but I got a pair of shoes that I don't know if I will ever see another pair of them again in life. Okay? Mm -hmm. And for that very reason, it's got to be one hell of an occasion for me to break that joint out and rock it. Mm -hmm. Now, did I know that that pair was going to be that rare when I bought it? No, that's not how I buy shoes. I buy shoes like, yo, that shoe's dope. How much is it? And will I buy it at that price? That's literally the only, that's my only metric when it comes to me buying shoes, you know? 
but some other people use different metrics. They watch YouTube videos. They do all this other stuff talking about price. You know, that's where they're starting to come into like assets. And those are the people who you're talking about. And so I'm thankful for them because that's a different segment of sneakers. And, and I think that there's confusion between that segment of sneakers and then having fun with sneakers and the culture of sneakers. And I believe that they are two separate things because they're not, that's not the culture of sneakers. Well, it's funny that you say that because I, one of the pieces that I wrote, one of the, well, that I read one of the interviews with you and Adina, it, it said, you know, it, it talked about sneakers as an asset class, right? Um, and this is, this is an approach that a lot of people are having in the industry, but that doesn't sound like that's your approach at all. No, no. I, 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 the thing is, I know that these things have a, a time and place and there are certain pairs that, that do, but you need to know the difference between the two. Like, and I'm sorry, an off-white Jordan 1 does not fit that mold. It just, it just doesn't. There's no significance to that shoe. Maybe, maybe 30 years from now, that shoe may have that significance. But right now, I don't hold that shoe in the same regard as I might hold a, a, sh- a, a, a game-worn shoe from Michael Jordan signed from 85. Like, it's not even a comparison. And for that very reason, they shouldn't be compared. And how does the marketplace maybe treat uh, athletic shoes or shoes, you know, from an athlete versus shoes like from a Kanye or a music pop culture uh, figure? Um, actually, I think really it's it's the same almost at this point. At, at this point, I, you know, with the 80s and then dozens with Jay and all those like you're, you're talking about that was like more like gen pop type releases but like when you're talking about like these like one off like Kanye West Grammy shoes or something like that where it's almost the same as like a game worn type of shoe if you if you take that conceptually it's like well Kanye only performed in this shoe this one time at this one event or for this series of events right so it's almost on the same lines even though don't kill me here, people. I'm not trying to compare Michael Jordan to Kanye, but I just mean in the same same category of items and how they're priced. <laughs> you know, uh, so you know, there's that. You know, and and you know, it's cool. Well, kind of along those lines, and I'm I'm sure Adina has a lot a lot to say about this too. But like, you know, this year Brianna Stewart got a signature shoe, right, for Puma, and it was the first time in more than ten years that a WNBA player had her own signature shoe. I think it was Candace Parker um, in like 2010. And like we've had over the year, you know, obviously the WNBA has been growing a lot and it's been, you know, embraced by the culture. And we've had, you know, women in the league sign shoe deals with Nike without getting their own shoe. Why, why was that? Why has that been the barrier? And as amazing as Brianna Stewart is, like we can't, we can't get a black player to get her, so her own signature shoe, right? Like, <laughs> you, you know, I don't know who makes decisions at some of these brands, but it's kind of crazy to me, right? Like when you think about all the elements that were brewing in the NBA for Michael Jordan to explode, like those are the same elements that are pretty much happening right now for the WNBA, like in a very abstract type of way. And so like a lot of these companies have a really unique opportunity, if you ask me, to really put their name on something and, and stamp it home. But I feel like, you know, they're, they're, they're like very hesitant or, or treading water. I, I, you know, I don't know. I well, don't can know. you see like, you know, let's say 
you know, Asia, like let's, let's, let's say, you know, 10 years from now we have WNBA players having their signature shoes at the same clip that we're seeing NBA players. Do you see men in the culture wearing a woman's shoe? Oh, heck yeah. The thing, the thing about it is this, right? You're dealing with that person's swag, that attitude, Mm -hmm. that skill, like their sex doesn't matter. Like I'll tell you right now, like one of the dopest shoes that I own was a pair of Diana Taurasi LeBron 10 B's. Like, first of all, like Phoenix's colorways are ill, you you know, and then they made a pair of her shoes that I could wear. Yeah. Let me get those. I got some Lisa Leslie joints. I got some Swin Cash joints. I've asked Shamika Holesclaw if she, she holds out on me though. I'm still (laughs) going to keep asking, you know, but um, you know, like, like, yeah, I I want, if, if Brianna Stewart is nice, like if, you know, to me, if you got that skill or if there's a specific game where you went off and that pair that I, that, that, that you went off in was dope. Like, yeah, I want that pair. I want, I like, it's the same way for me. Gender doesn't make a difference. Like if you got busy, like that feeling like that, that feeling, it doesn't have a sex. And I have seen men buy women's Jordans for the color. Oh, I oh remember when, when Cameron was hot with the pink or whatever. I remember they had some pink Jordans. I know a few dudes who had those. I'm like, where'd you find them? Oh, yeah, they, they, they probably like a little shy. Well, it's the women's shoe. But, you know, I'm like, well, <laughs> they were still wearing it. I paid extra money for the breast cancer Jordan 34s from Marquette. Mm-hmm. Uh, hot pink. I mean, kind of along those lines, I'm thinking about something Jason said earlier, like, you know, like men have been so limited by our own kind of our own self-imposed limitations, right? Do you think that sneaker culture has, like how instrumental has has sneaker culture been in allowing, you know, these men who are, are ball players or musicians or whatever, you know, and, or just, they're just fans, you know, who are, are hyper masculine, whatever, to just like express themselves through whatever colors they want to wear, whatever fashion they want to, you know, like, like there's no kind of box anymore for what that means without being called soft or like feminized or whatever. That's, that's amazingly, that's exactly what drew me to sneakers as a, as a child, you know, growing up where I, where I grew up, like, like I was a nerdy black kid. Like that's not cool in Crown Heights. If I wasn't hooping, before I was hooping, I was looking at Transformers and GI Joes. Like uh, you know, like some people might find not find that to be very cool, you know. But then you know, like, and the only thing that made me cool later was the fact that I could shoot a jump shot. Like you know, is simple as that. But then these shoes, though, you know, I put these on, and and I I can make sure that I can rock them. I could defend myself in the street, you know. Now it's like, okay, he may be about something. <laughs> right. Has the culture and everything grown to the point where it's no, maybe there's not that feeling of I got to defend my, defend my shoes. I remember growing up saying, I want some Jordans, but I know if I wear them, <laughs> it's going to be on on the east side of Long Beach. Somebody's going to let me just walk around in these. <laughs> you know, has the game gotten so, you know, big to where maybe it's a little different now for the kids. Yeah. Make, you know, I think, shoes. yeah, I agree with you. I think it's, it's very different and in a good way. Um, I think it's, it's, it's less likely that you've got to protect yourself, protect your shoes because it's so much more common to have a cool pair of shoes. 
you know, and I think that that's a, a, a really good thing. Don't get me wrong, there's still places all over the world where it's still very difficult to, to do that. So I don't want to say that everywhere is like that, but some of the places where growing up it was difficult for like that, it's no longer like that. So so I will say that it is it is going in a in a better place and they're also being more generally accepted in the public, you know, like sneakerheads in general, or, or even people who wear sneakers at, to certain events or even getting inside a place. Like sometimes you couldn't even get into a bowling alley if you had sneakers on past like 7 p.m. in the city because they thought you were going to be some type of troublemaker, you know? Oh, yeah. No, we, we all remember, you know, shout out to Continental getting shut down by NYU's Black Students League because of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but what are your top five favorite pairs of all time? Top five, top five favorite. All right, so I'm I don't have a top five favorite, but but I can tell you some some really significant ones. So the Jordan three um, white cement was super super significant for me. It was my first pair of actual Jordans. Mm. Um, let's see what else. Uh, the black infrared Jordan six was super, super significant for me because it was the first time I was allowed to wear black sneakers. <laughs> um, and we can talk about that. That's culturally mm -hmm. significant. Um, what else? Jordan 11s, of course, and that's already too many Jordans. Um, Puma suede's definitely because Walt Clyde Frazier was, was my mom's hero. Um, and then for my fifth, hmm, I probably still want to say the, uh, McFly shoe, the, the Nike mm. mag, um, it will probably round out my, my top five. What do you think, Jason? You got any of those or? Uh, I've got versions of all the, I don't have the McFly, but I mean, I came up on some, uh, suede Pumas at the outlet not that long ago. They were like 15 bucks each and they were just all random colors i grabbed all of them <laughs> I, I can't you know that was a shoe that i loved as a kid you know and then you wore that shoe till it fell apart now i'm like you know i wear a 14 so when i see my shoe in my size on sale i'm you know i'll, I'll like go to an outlet and just hit every shoe spot and just go boom 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 and what i do now is it's a lot of shoes that I remember as a kid that I liked and couldn't get that I'm going back now and finding. Like I found a pair of the Shaq Gnosis Reeboks. I always wanted those. As a, I found a pair of those, you know. That's I've dope. Got the, yeah, I've got the Space Jam Jordan now. And like I, like I said, I find a lot of them just in random places. And it's because there were 14, people don't buy them. Yeah. There's, there's like one or two left. And I'll just like, okay, I'll take those. So, you know, I'll go ahead and you know, I'll I, I tell you. The, the the Puma suede's like on the low, like that was like old school, like fashion. But you think about the fashion today with crop pants and, 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 and joggers and all these like slim type jeans, like, yo, that's exactly what people rock back in the day with Puma suede's like Puma mm -hmm. suede's were fresh back then. Like, how could they not be fresh now? You crazy? Yeah. <laughs> it all comes in a cycle at some point. <laughs> <laughs> See, and that's right. why I wear mine, because I want to make sure I at least wear them you know, I don't want to put the shoe. I actually had an old pair of Jordans I put on. I hadn't worn them in a while. I'm like, oops, this thing is flapping. It's been a minute, but I wore, you know, so I was like, oops, let me go ahead and get back to the car real quick before everyone sees this. So yeah, it's a, it definitely goes in cycles, but it's a lot, to me, it's a lot of fun. 
Yeah, absolutely. I say I say it's a 10-year cycle. So wear your shoes every 10 years to cycle them up. Let's go back to the uh the the Air Jordan the Jordan sixes and the first time you wore a, you were allowed to wear a black shoe. Yeah, so that was 91. And so, you know, the 80s, the 90s, the color black, Raiders, NWA, mm. EPMD, gangster rap, and the connotation of what society thought about the color and the people and the music had my parents very afraid for me to wear anything that made somebody think that I was part of that culture. And so I was not allowed to wear a black shoe because of what somebody might think of who I am. So 91, like that was my, like I was, I was literally 13 years old before I was even allowed to wear a black shoe. That's crazy. <laughs> and now and you're what? getting jokes about Giannis and, and he wears the black Air Force Ones. You know, someone's going to get murdered tonight on the court because he's got the black Air Force Ones. Yeah, that's, the, you, know, it, you know, it's like it's living through that, like seeing how what it was and what it's turned into. It's like the context is so lost. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, you know, offline before we started recording, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit younger than the two of you, but none of us are as young as any of these kids that we cover or follow. So, uh, you know, do you think that some of that has been lost? Like if you told that story to someone watching Giannis with, with you know, with the Air Force Ones and everything, how, how like, do you think that context, that, that part of the struggle has been lost from, from yeah, 30 yeah, years ago to today? Like it's, it's, it's mind blowing when I tell a young kid what it was like, like, and like, what the color white and white sneakers represent for black people, you know, and, and white on white parties, like there's history and historical significance to that. And sometimes we have these sayings or these colloquialisms that we think people understand, but they don't, they, they don't understand the, the real context to those mm -hmm. things. I've got, so I've got a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a confession, I have not bought a pair of sneakers in more than 15 years. <laughs> Good what? for you. No, no. Okay. So yeah. here's why though. So here's why. So one of the things that I loved, Chad, about your and Adina's website was that like one of the first things that it says is no pretentiousness, right? You say like, whether you own 10 pairs or 500 pairs, you know, you, you want to be a place for everyone. And for me, it stems like, I'm, you know, I grew up in the Heights in, in upper Manhattan and I topped out at five foot six, but from the time I was maybe eight years old, that's when my feet topped out. So I wear a size 10 women's and eight and a half men's. So I was made fun of a lot when I was young for having boat feet. <laughs> and boat feet just don't look good in, in sneakers. They just don't. Um, so I think like psychologically, it turned me off to that. So as someone who loves the way they do look and has probably done some of the work to get over the body image shit that went into it, what is your advice for someone like me who has not been in this world personally trying to break into it a little bit? Well, one, you know, there's, there's two things, right? There's definitely the psychological part that you have, right? And so you don't have both feet, by the way. <laughs> You're fine. Um, but one thing I will say is that you got to play to your strengths, right? And so, you know, what you want to stay away from if you have a bigger foot is you probably want to get a higher top or a mid type of shoe because it generally look, tends to make it look smaller, you know? And so that's that's where you might want to start and then just go from, from where you like. And, and really, brand specific, it, it doesn't matter. What, whatever the feeling like what i say is it's 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 really easy right the one that says i have to have it 
-hmm. That's the only one that you listen to. And if it doesn't say that, don't buy it. Okay. Yeah, you can do it now. You know, you can do it one sneaker at a time. One sneaker at a time. All or right. sorry, one pair. Don't go buy one sneaker. Well, don't go buy one, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, listen, uh, this was this was so great. I love I love learning about this part of the culture as someone who has not worn sneakers in a very long time. Um, but, you know, you, you have so much knowledge here and so much context. And also just to watch you and Jason just talk about the kicks that you love, I think is a really beautiful thing. Um, do you feel like, you know, the work you're doing, like, is it, it like will continue to resonate with the young kids like that'll be passed on generation to generation? I, I think that if the effort is made, you know, when you really connect with them, then they'll understand that there's something to preserve there and that their their true lived experiences are the gold, not what they see. Well, on that note, Chad, thank you so much for joining us. This was this is great. And I hope we get to talk to you soon again. Me too. Thanks for having me. Thanks again. Appreciate it. No doubt. Thanks for listening to Culture Calculus. I'm Kavitha Davidson for Jason Jones from The Athletic. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to give us a rating if you can as well. And make sure to tune in every Thursday. We'll have a different episode, a different guest, and a different topic at hand. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.